we are charged up for another episode of Purpose on Purpose, Overcoming Adversity and Creating Resiliency. I am your host, Dario Herrera, with my brilliant, fancy, well-lit co-host, Chrissy oh, Grease, my inspired visionary, uh, my partner in Mickey's Miracles, and just uh, one of the best people I know. And today we have the honor of having Brian Mayoral with us, uh, with Salap. And I'm excited because we're going to attack resiliency today from a different perspective. And before we get into that, and you know, we get right into it. Brian has a great background. He was a PE school teacher and by his own admission, living for the weekends. And he's going to tell the story himself. I don't want to steal his thunder, but he found himself working with Tony Robbins and became a national speaker, one of the top six speakers uh, with Tony in the country. And if any of you know of Tony's organization, that's a big, big deal. And today he works uh, with folks who may not be being as productive as they can be, uh, folks who maybe aren't achieving the results they want to achieve professionally uh, from a sales perspective, from a professional perspective, and Brian changes that with them. Brian, welcome. So excited to have you. Yeah, that intro makes me feel like I'm seven foot tall and my chest just grew five inches as well. Good. Um, All right, good. <laughs> I'm, grateful, I'm grateful to be on with, with both of you and I appreciate the warm introduction. I've been um, taking a look at you guys and, and a big fan of One Darrier's story. I had the opportunity to connect with you yesterday and all the good that you're doing in the world and, and just happy to be here and be a part of it. Thank you, Brian. So, you know, we don't sugarcoat anything here. We don't really delay too much before we get into the hard-hitting stuff. And, yeah. you know, we've had some pretty incredible stories, right? Inspirational stories of real adversity in terms of, not that all adversity isn't real, but stories of surviving human trafficking and surviving the loss of a child and, you know, child sexual abuse and, and things of that nature. And when you and I talked, I, I loved your perspective uh, because, you know, I recognize that sometimes if you haven't had one of those life-changing quote-unquote experiences, you may not be able to connect to those things. You might be able to say, oh, you might have empathy for that person. You might be able to say, oh, I, I wish that wouldn't have happened. But personally, it's hard to, you know, connect directly. Like if you don't have a story of bullying, sometimes it's hard to connect to that, you know? Uh, that's Christie's story uh, of adversity, at least one of the pieces of adversity, um, but not everyone connects to that, right? Um, and you brought up an interesting point when I when I mentioned that to you, and you said, how about the, the everyday adversity? How about the everyday striving for resiliency for those folks who have settled into mediocrity in their life? Hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective one that we haven't really tackled uh, on the show. And as you know, what we're looking for is like the common thread of resiliency, right? What's that formula, right? Whether it's a, a life drawing piece of adversity or what you've said yesterday so articulately that fall into, that settling into everyday mediocrity, right? So I'm gonna give you, you know, a runway here and, and take off, dude. Yeah, let's get after it. I appreciate that um, and I, I resonate so much with those deep stories like, like you have, Dario, like you have, Christy, as well. And and, and the truth be told, I, I grew up with with a normal upbringing in the United States. You know, my, my parents were divorced, that type of thing. We didn't really have a lot of money, but I, I had Christmas gifts on Christmas. And so there's nothing to complain about. I'm grateful for my mom working her ass off. I'm grateful for my dad working his ass off. 
And the truth be told is I, I followed a path. Like I saw my dad live close to the beach and me and my mom didn't. And so I was like, okay, how do I go get closer to the beach? How do I go get to be successful, right? And growing up, I set a path and my dad was a teacher. So I, I decided that I wanted to be a teacher. And I put my head down and I didn't think about anything else because I put together this game plan that says, you're gonna go be a teacher. So here I go through college, through all my classes. And honestly, I, I, didn't, I didn't pay attention in half my classes, if I'm being honest. And I, I didn't enjoy my classes, but I assumed that everyone didn't enjoy their classes. I assumed that everyone was just trying to get through college so they can go into their career. You know, it was just like, that's what was my life. And then I get into the workforce at 21 years of age. And here I am teaching 17 year olds and then going to teach like 12, 13 and 14 year olds. And I knew, like I knew after the first week it was the wrong career fit. Mm. But because I put this like map in my head that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, this is how it's supposed to be done. I didn't question it. I just stayed there. Yeah for four fucking years, and excuse my language, but I, I say the word fuck because I try to wake people up a little bit. You know, I don't use it just flippantly. I use it because there's some people that are sitting there like I was for four years doing something that they didn't enjoy, and they're afraid to look at the mirror, they're afraid to look themselves in the face and say, this isn't what I want. Yeah. And there I am, I found myself, it was this, this afternoon, don't remember the day, it wasn't like some big, bright, shiny moment, but, but there I was, it was 3.30, I get off school at 2.45 by 3.30, I'm sitting in my bed watching SportsCenter eating Del Taco. <laughs> and That's I, a great question, I can, I can see that, I can see that, Brian. It's just it's just like a, a moment where I'm sitting there watching SportsCenter and I like look down, I'm like, what am I doing? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, it was like, wake up, work out, or wake up, go to go to school, maybe work out, go sit down on your on your bed and watch Sports Center until you fall asleep and do it all over again. Mm. And it was just that day-to-day -day dogma living in this like perpetual cycle of like, ah, oh, things are just okay. And to be honest with you, I went through some some trials, right? I was partying on the weekends and my my whole life consisted of going down to San Diego, going to Vegas, hanging out with my friends and like making a little bit of money, spending the money, making a little bit of money, spending the money. And, and the truth is, is there, there were a few wake up calls that I got, but none of them that were like these bright, shiny moments. I got my ass kicked at a bar one time, almost got arrested, thought I was going to go to jail. That didn't happen. Uh, went on a date in Newport beach. I didn't even own a credit card at that time. And my credit card declined. And, and of course, the waiter comes over, and I don't know, like guys know what I'm talking about. Your credit card. I've been there. It does happen to me once. I've been a there. A good waiter will write a note on a paper and say "sir," and then hand it to you uh, and says, "sir, do you have another credit card?" That's yeah. that. I've so, that. Of course, that's not what happened, right? You're a new no. So like, I own a debit card. I've never owned a credit card in my life. My life is safe. Everything is safe. I'm warm up. I'm bundled up. I'm I'm feeling warm and cozy in life. And here comes this guy and he says, sir, your card declined. And if you're a man trying to impress a woman, that's like shooting both feet off. Okay. Oh, it's the oh. it's the worst feeling ever. Bad. My best friend Chandler had been deep into self-development his whole life. You know, he had he had done Tony Robbins, um, he had done landmark, he'd done all the good stuff, right? Like all he's trying and he was he was exceeding in life and excelling and 
he came to visit me one weekend in Newport Beach. And he asked me the, the simple question, like, what's the standard question that someone's asked you just walking down the street if you haven't seen each other in a while? What is it, Christy? What do they ask you? Well, I would, I would ask about what you're doing right now and are you passionate about it? Yeah, I mean, you're you're like you're like woke, right? Like you're like in it, right? But the the average person says, "Hey, how are you? How are you? Right, right." And what's this? Oh, no, so that's what I would ask. How are you? I don't know. I always ask, <laughs> "What are you passionate about?" What's the standard answer that most people give? Good. I'm good. I'm fine. 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 I'm okay. Now, most of the ladies know if someone says they're fine or they're okay. Does that mean that they're fine or okay? No. <laughs> my best friend grabbed me, grabbed me by my collar. He's like, dude, you're not doing fine. You're not doing okay because you're not a good, fine, or an okay guy. Wake up. Like the results that you're getting are not like you've been talking for four years that you want to go make a lot of money, change the world, make a lot of money, change the world, go impact human beings, but you're not doing anything about it. Yeah. Wake up. Of course, that didn't resonate for a while, and I wasn't listening to people. And it wasn't until I got into some trouble, like I said, that that thing that happened where I thought I was going to get arrested, the whole thing. And eventually, I decided that you know what, like, I don't know it all. I had to like get over the I know syndrome, like I got this syndrome, the male ego or just the ego in general. And that's when I started looking for answers. I ended up at my first Tony Robbins seminar. And it completely changed my life. It got me thinking that you can be a good person and make money. It got me thinking that I don't have to follow just this one path my whole life just because I'm here. And long story short, um, after that, I quit my job, went into sales. Sales changed my life because it gave me confidence that I could do something other than just teaching. It led me to working with Tony Robbins, traveling the country for three years, living out of a suitcase, going into different companies all over the United States. And um, it's led me to the path that I am here today with my own business, training people how to excel, change, transforming lives through the art of influence and sales. So long-winded story for this this short answer, but um, I wanted to be able to give it to you. No, it's not a short answer. It's a good answer. Uh, Christy, I know you're chomping at the bit to get no, in I'm here. I just so. want to say, well, what did, your, what did your family, like, what has been the feedback from your family and friends since you've been on this journey? Uh, that's did good you question. learn about what they really thought about you before that they, you didn't know? <laughs> well, here's the thing. My, my dad is very certain, right? He, he's, he's followed his path. He was a school teacher, football coach, and that, that's his whole career. And he, he loves me to death, and he wanted me to be safe. Right. At the time, there was a year, year and a half that we butted heads really hard because I would go to dinner every Sunday with my parents. Right. Trying to be a good kid and trying to be a good son. Go to dinner and then I would pull up like Excel sheets and I'd be like, Dad, like this is how much I'm going to make next year. This is how much I'm going to make 30 years from now. It doesn't make sense. Like it, like it doesn't make any sense. Like but I was the whole time I was looking for approval from my dad. Mm -hmm. I was trying to convince my dad. That, that he should believe in me. And we, we, we butted heads for, like I said, about a year and a half. And he never was like, you know what? You're right. Never. And why should he? You know, looking, looking back on it, I had no proof, nothing to show him that I would be safe or that I would succeed outside of what I was doing. And he was just trying to make sure that I was going to be okay. 
Yeah. And um, looking back on it, and I, I tell people this all the time, they come to me and they're like, well, my parents don't believe in me. My friends don't believe in me. No one believes me. Well, have you give them a reason to? Mm-hmm. Have you taken the action necessary to get them to believe in you? And it wasn't until I came to him, I said, dad, I quit. Or he's like, all right, let's go. What are you going to be doing? So it wasn't until I made a decision and I, there was no turning back where he started to believe in me and support. Mm-hmm. And so there might be a little life lesson there as well. But that took me a while to figure out a couple of years. Awesome. Yeah, I, I want to peel that back a little bit and, and get to, you know, the, um, the underlying decision you made and how that tracks with that notion of everyday resiliency. Yeah, because I think people, a lot of people, uh, and I've done this myself, you know, sleepwalk through life. Oh my God. And, you know, they punch the ticket, they go to work, they do what they're told to do or what their job is. They go home and before they know what they're watching sports and they'll talk about at four in the afternoon or six in the afternoon or eight in the afternoon. And I know sports center. Well, I've done this. I've watched the same sports center seven, eight, nine times because back then they used to replay the same episode. And I literally watched sports center thinking, are they going to change something? Like is, is maybe they're going to put a new highlight. Maybe there's a new game, maybe there's a new score. And it literally was the same episode over and over and over again. So, you know, like I said, we are looking for the parts of the resiliency formula and the common threads between all these things, professional, personal, overcoming trauma, overcoming mediocrity. So to me, it sounds like you detaching from your original plan, right? Because you weren't happy. You had a plan. You worked your butt off to get there. You were, like you said, singularly focused. And then when you started doing it, you're like, Oh, this isn't for me, yeah. you know, and, and it took something from you. Right. And I, that's what I want to get to. It took something yeah. from you to say, this isn't what I want. And I'm going to go a different path. And that's what I want you to kind of dive into and even check in with yourself about what that was, because yeah. that's almost like resiliency in a bottle, you know, for yeah. mediocrity. Totally. Totally. Um, so what, what happened was, is I, the first, the first step was awareness and and bringing it forward like we all know that like when you see things it's either off in the distance or hazy or it's like right up in your face mm-hmm. and i think the first step is just recognizing that there's something that you're unhappy with mm-hmm. and letting yourself feel the pain of that so many people we all know that human beings are doing two things at any given time they're running towards pleasure or running away from pain and Sometimes we numb ourselves so that we can feel okay in the moment, right? We numb ourselves to say, oh, it's okay to just lay in bed. Yeah, it's no big deal. I can do it tomorrow. Or, oh, it's, you know, everyone's unhappy with their job. It's all right. And what we need to do is, is say, no, 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 no. Wait a second. Wait a second. There's a reason that that thought came up. There's a reason why you sat in bed and you questioned why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and you, the first step is, is bringing the awareness of something that you're either unsatisfied with or right. unhappy with and bringing that forward. That was the first step. And sitting and then, with it right? and not distracting yourself with not distracting things, yourself. right. To avoid, because that's sure. a human tendency is like you said, avoiding pain. So in some cases, how do you avoid pain? You distract yourself. Yes. Right. 
Yes. Yeah. And, and um, I was, I was distracting myself and if I could go back, I played this over and over and over again to try and get the steps down. But it, the first thing is, is allowing yourself to sit in the pain and not running from that mm -hmm. and, and, and being brutally honest with yourself. So because pain plus reflection equals progress. And if, and if we can get ourselves to feel that pain and we reflect on why we felt it, where it's coming from, that will equal progress because now we have a roadmap of what we want and what we don't want. And the next step for me was just getting some level of control around what it is that I enjoy in life to, to find myself again. So I started to notice there was a few things. Um, I, I, would, I created this Excel document and I put in like literally in every box, every major activity that I did throughout the day, mm. everything. And then I would rank it on a scale of one to 10. On a scale of one to 10, how much did I enjoy it? On one, one to 10, how did it make me feel? On a scale of one to 10, is this something that would help my future or keep me where I'm at? Hmm. And what I noticed is the first thing that changed my life was not hitting the effing snooze button in the morning. Yeah. I noticed that every time that alarm went off and I hit the snooze button, I was hitting the snooze button on life. That I wasn't excited, that I didn't demand of myself to wake up and go get after it that day, whether it's going to get after it. I don't know who's listening to your podcast, but if you're a mom staying at home, go get after it to be the best mama bear on planet Earth. If it's a dad to be the best dad on planet Earth. If you're running your business to be the best damn business owner on planet Earth, but waking up with a sense of purpose and not hitting the snooze button. I noticed that if I hit the snooze button in the morning, that was the first loss that I had for the day. Mm. That loss stacked and it, and it impacted every other part of my day. Mm -hmm. so that was the first thing that I changed. The next thing that I changed was moving my body and, and, and engaging my body. So I don't need to go, I guess I don't need to go through all the steps here, but recognizing that you're unhappy and then recognizing what's making you unhappy and then going to do something about it. It's the short-winded version of, of that whole thing. No, I love that. It's not short-winded. It's appropriate. And well, and people need to hear. Yes. People just need pragmatic answers to when you're in that deluge of like the daily going through the motions, as you said, which we've all done that. I know I went to college. I went, you know, into business because my dad was a business major. I didn't really sure. sit there and think about it um, too deeply. I just I knew I'm good at it and I liked it but I didn't really explore. Like I didn't give myself the permission to explore. So I think you giving our audience like pragmatic steps that they can take, don't hit the snooze button being one and that hits starts your day off. I completely see how that could be very rewarding, you know, in the long run when you do it. Um, I hit the snooze button too much. But. Everyone, everyone's got their different formula for happiness. And success. Yeah. And I don't know, but I'm going to take that one. <laughs> no, but I love the accounting, though. The accounting yes. that you took is very specific, and it's a tool that I think our audience you know, can pay attention to yes. and, and implement. You know, I, I haven't done that assessment. I mean, I love what I do. I get to work in social good. I get to impact people's lives in a positive way every single day. Yeah. I get to build brands for a living. I get to help people tell their stories. I get people working with me because they trust my talent in helping them share, you know, their either personal story or their brand story. And it's an honor for me. So mm -hmm. that's exciting for me. But I've never done 
uh, everything I do. I haven't cataloged everything I do. And how's that, you know, from a one to 10 on a happiness level of doing it or, you know, on a one to 10, how does that factor into my next five years or my next 10 years or my next 30 years? And, mm. and that, that's something I'm going to do because I love the simplicity of that. But I love that the, the picture that paints for you, um, yeah. it gets you away from going through the motions and connects you to, am I doing things that make me happy? Am I doing present, things that fulfill me? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I love that. Looking back on it, you know, it was just like my uh, makeshift way of like trying to get some control. I didn't know all of what I was doing. Now that I know, you know, been through the whole self-development and, and working with Tony, like now I know what I was doing. But at the time, it was just like a way to try and find some level of control and where I was at and try and fight the dogma of life. And um, really what it is, is just pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. recognizing your patterns through, through the day. And I got to tell you, my favorite moments throughout the day were some of my hardest and most difficult moments. Yeah, They're the moments where I didn't want to, but I, I said I was going to do it and I did it. It's the moments where I didn't want to wake up at 5.30 a.m., but, but the fact that I did it gave me a sense of pride. I didn't want to go to the gym in the morning, but when I had amazing workouts that impacted my entire day. Yeah. And I believe that every human being has what I call live up moments. Live up moments are those moments of trial, tribulation, moments where you say, I do, I will, I quit, I'm starting, I'm going to find a way out of no effing way. Someone's doubting me, good, let me prove them wrong. Yeah. Live up moments, like, I don't know about you, but if, if, if I were to ask you to look back on your highlights of life, mm -hmm. there might be the, the marriages, the birth of your kids, maybe Dario for you when you're getting out of, uh, prison. I hope you've told that story before and not letting it out. I'm, to the world. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm not shy about sharing it. I mean, there's there moments of relief or beauty, but if I were to ask oh. you right now to give me like the top three moments of your life outside of being married or having kids, what would those moments be? Real quick. First ones that come to mind. Well, for me, um, losing my father, almost losing my daughter and some just traumatic stuff as a child that, you know, mm. had happened to me as being bullied. Mm. Mm. And, and, and why would you say that those are a highlight of life? Because all, because they're the moments that shape me the most. You awesome. Know? They change yeah. the trajectory of my life. And, and that's so much of what we're exactly what we're talking about is we're talking to people, whether as Dario said, whether it's self-imposed something I did to myself or happens to you, letting people know like that part life is messy and it's hard you know but we can do hard things and i think teaching people through these kind of methods and and like what you said just wake up take an assessment of the thing the activities you do do you find joy in them or are you just doing them because you've always done them um yeah. my husband and i talk about that we're trying to convert our date nights from consuming calories to burning calories. I mean, okay. I like my, you know, good glass of wine and dinner, but, and so we're trying pickleball and all these different things that are different and it's exciting, you know, it's fun. And I know from just the work I've done and research I've done in the neurology world, specifically with Alzheimer's, one of the most important things for just aging in the brain is trying new things, mm -hmm. up dancing, different stuff. It's not about, it, you know, specifically this was in Alzheimer's and women, but um, taking up like dance or something, not doing a crossword pu puzzle necessarily, not that that's a bad thing, but 
to help with memory and, you know, and so there's so many other benefits I think for trying, you know, and it keeps you present and connected to what you're doing instead of just being robotic yeah. about it. Um, yeah, I think all that's brilliant. Tell us more. What other little tricks yeah. in the do you have up your sleeve? Yeah. I'd be, I'd be happy to. I'm curious, uh, Dario, how about for you also, just really quick, what, what's like a My highlight? First my first live up moment was when my high school counselor told me that I didn't have what it took to go to college. Mm -hmm. Right. My second live up moment is when I saw the first returns of my first election that put me on the path to being the youngest Hispanic assemblyman elected in the history of America. Yes. And the yes. third live up moment, and, and this is a recent one is recognizing that I know what love is mm. recognizing that I love myself recognizing someone's love for me and marrying that person uh, because those things have been in doubt for me my entire life. Since I can remember having a conscious thought, those things have been in doubt for me forever. Hmm. And that recognition that, hey, I love myself enough to receive someone else's love and to love someone the way I want to be loved is definitely, and to take action behind it, like put the fears aside, put the history aside, put the doubts aside and, and take a, a positive step that I can make, you know, uh, a, a dream come true for myself, you know, is, is a definite live up moment. Oh, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, and it, I, I, maybe this is just my warped perspective of the world, but and most of these highlights are coming from moments of resilience or moments where you've had to overcome a personal battle. They don't come from, oh, I got lucky and I hit the lottery or, oh, like I got chosen for this because I was supposed to get chosen for it. It's like those moments where it wasn't supposed to go down that way or moments where you didn't think it was going to work out and it did or moments where Dari, like you're saying, it's so beautiful where your whole life you've been going through this, like, am I worthy of being loved? And then you find that love and it's such a beautiful live up moment because you didn't think it was possible. Right. But then it, but then it happened and I, I think one thing that I, I love talking to people about when they when they come to me for coaching or whatever it is, is like they 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 don't want problems. I'm like, I'm like, wait a second here. Like, like you're bro. Everyone's got problems. Like Warren Buffett's got problems, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos got problems, they just got billion dollar problems. So it's not about having problems, about upgrading the problems you got. Level like, up. You, oh, I love that. Yeah, I'll it's like the problems you got. I love that. Yeah, it's like you, you're the problem. The, your biggest problem for the day could be I'm worried about what my boss says about me, or it could be my biggest problem for the day is I'm worried that if, if I start my own business, if it's going to work or not. Or hey, my biggest problem for the day is being a good dad versus my biggest problem for the day is is making sure that I, I make my bed. Like, which ones do you want? You know, um, so. I, I, I love the, the moments where we make those decisions and, and choose bigger problems because problems mean we're living. Tell us about Sellup. I know obviously you went through, you started as a volunteer in the Robbins organization yeah. and you started doing your thing and you, 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 you shined, right? And the, the cream rose to the top and you became a top six guy, which is not easy to do in a very large organization that, that's very horizontal, not as deep sometimes, very horizontal, it's hard to stand out. So the fact that you become a top six guy is pretty incredible. And now you get to you know work uh, with people through you know, sell up. Tell us a little bit about that. And and I wanna 
I want to kind of go back to, you know, where does that resiliency thread show itself, you know, in your work with your clients? Yeah. Yeah. If I could even take it one step back to the, to the volunteering thing, just to give people a roadmap, especially uh, those millennials my age or younger, right? Um, I worked for free for Tony Robbins for a year and eight months. I went to that first seminar and I decided like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go be one of these national speakers. I found the highest level position I can find in the company. I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. And at the time I was a PE teacher when I made that decision. So it was a little bit, it was a little bit nuts, but I recognized that I had to stand out and do something different and I had to add value. So I went and I went and did software sales. That went great. Obviously cream rises to the top there. And I would fly myself out on my own dime to all the seminars just to start getting in front of people. And the first time, the first big sell that I had to make working for Tony Robbins, if I could tie in the selling here. Yeah. Tony's brother is the head of sales, his brother-in-law. And I was just, you know, cutting my teeth in sales. So I went to the seminar. I recognized that I had to meet him. He's the guy that I had to meet. 2,000 applicants a month for this role. And I'm trying to stand out. And here I was just finished being a school teacher. And I go up to him on the third day right before I was supposed to leave. And my hand, you can't see this for those of you who aren't watching, but my hand was shaking. And I was like, uh, and he asked me a bunch of questions. I have no idea what I said. I pretty much blacked out. I was so nervous. And I remember after that moment, I'm like, I blew it. He said, send me an email. Usually the best ones, I, I get an email, a video email from him. It sounds to me like you didn't make it to that part, but, but send me an email on Monday. So I send him an email with a video of me, like saying, why did you get the role? And he replies back, not passionate enough. Mm. And for a year and like six months, a year and five months, I emailed every single day, flew myself out to events. And the, the reason I tie that all in is because influence sales comes down to being passionate about what you do. It comes down to being passionate and, and proving your value, but doing it in a way where it's ethical and responsible. Mm. I, I will tell anyone right now, selling and influence is one of the most important skills that you will ever have in your life. Because to tie this back to earlier is you got to sell yourself. You got to influence yourself not to hit the freaking snooze button in the morning. You got to influence yourself to make your bed, to follow through, to jump on that call, to answer when someone's calling. Those little battles, those little resilient things that we have through the day are us influencing ourselves. Mm -hmm. I surveyed over 650 salespeople and I asked them, hey, what do you want to learn? What, what, what's most important for you? Not one of them said, I, I want to learn the perfect thing to say, the right thing to say. I said, how about this? Raise your hand if you know what to do to make sales. Every single one of them raise your hand. Raise your hand if you know the right things to say. Every single one of them raise their hand. Raise your hand if you know that the reason you're not getting the results is because of a personal battle you're going through every single day. <laughs> every single one of them raise their hand. And that's what I realized that in the, in the marketplace today, that's what's missing. Most of the sales trainings that are out there today are all about how to close more deals. How do I close more business? If you're listening right now and you're in your car or you're on a jog or wherever you're at, think about this. How many of you want your opportunities closed? How many of you want doors closed on you? 
How many of you want to be closed off emotionally? People don't want to be closed. We're living in an open society, an open world. And that's why I realized that I don't want to close anybody. I want to open them. I want to open them into a business partnership. I want to open them into more deals. And I do so by working on self-development through the sales process. Because mm. eight times out of 10, the reason you don't get the opportunity is because you either didn't reach out when you were supposed to, you either didn't follow up like you said you would, or right before you started asking for money, you got nervous because your own beliefs and own hesitations about money. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized that there was that massive gap, that personal resilient battle that every sales professional and that every entrepreneur goes through every single day. And if we can help someone live up and level up personally, it will impact their sales. And I see Christy getting, getting well, pumped. No, I just had yeah, yeah, she's pumped. Bit, yeah. That, um, that's why it looks so effortless when people are really, really amazing at what they do, but it starts with the passion and people just assume that, Oh, they're lucky or this or that, but they have the underlying passion or love for it. And yeah. so it's not a job. I mean, I can relate to this with my nonprofit that Dario and I work so hard on helping families overcoming the struggles, dealing with a child with having epilepsy. And it's not work because you're so passionate about it and you care so much. And and that's like the key, I think. And so and that's the question that I had is okay, so you were this PE teacher, which is amazing, and helping all these students, but how do we if you were to go back, how do you help other the next generation hack that? Like so that they're not is that part of the process? I mean, I know back 20 years ago when I was in the corporate world, I was told every person changes careers seven times in their lifetime. I'm sure it's more than that now. Mm. So is that part of the process, the, the, the going to college and not knowing, or is there some formula that you can try earlier in life to find out what it is that you are passionate about? Yeah, um, I think it goes both ways. And that's a great question. Um, I think it goes both ways because I've seen a lot of people that I that I coach up now who have a very uh, like their experience is opposite of mine. Mm -hmm. They have shiny light syndrome. So they're they're like, oh, that's a shiny light. Let me go over there. Oh, that's a shiny light. Let me go over there. Expecting where that new destination to bring them some level of happiness or joy or passion. And sometimes and I'm, I'm sure it's similar for you. We fall more in love. We fall more in, into a passionate experience. The more blood, sweat, and tears that we put into something. Yeah. And and even in like like for me, starting my own business and now working with companies, like the reason I'm falling deeper in love with it is because of the challenges. Mm -hmm. If it was if it was easy, it'd be boring. At least for achievers, right? Totally. Um, so so for those people, I would say, listen, find your mission in life. Find that first before you find out what you want to do. What is your mission in a life? And, and nine times out of 10, most people say, well, I want to change the world. I want to do something good in, in, on planet Earth or I want to impact people. OK, great. That's a starting point. Now, what what are some of your life experiences that would help you resonate emotionally and deeply on that path? Oh, well, you know, I was abused when I was younger. OK, there's a starting point. Would you like to help people who have gone through that? Usually it's something that we can connect to personally or emotionally along the path of helping others. And if we, if we can connect to those two things, then we say, okay, well, what is the route that, that seems like the best route right now? Your mission in life shouldn't change. How you get about that mission will change. 
Yeah. Right? Like I'm sure I'm sure you started your nonprofit and you're like, oh, I thought it was gonna look like this oh, 10 years down the road. No it looks clue. you wouldn't even recognize it anymore. Yeah, I mean I think you get to the point when I think you're really at least this is for me, I'll speak for myself. When it's a, a God thing or a universe thing or, you know, something like for me, it's like I was told that I needed to do this. So it wasn't really a question of like whether I was going to do it because I was going to obey when you hear that, something Love like that. that. It's yeah. a pretty important thing. But I know that so many times that myself included have got hung up on the how. And mm. I've just noticed if you just take those little steps and you're passionate about it and you start enrolling people, which is what you were saying earlier, sales, I look at as enrollment, and which is an everyday conversation. And I agree, one of the, probably the most important thing, skill that you can acquire as a human because we're constantly enrolling people. And I, I just, yeah, I think that all of that is so, so brilliant and I think very helpful to people to understand that, um, you can go this way or you can go that way. You could be an accountant for your whole life and then change. For me, I I volunteered for a lot of when I was young and in my 20s in LA, I volunteered for every nonprofit essentially in LA through the, the work I was doing. And so I was trying different things. And I think people could do that in the volunteer sector. Just you know, go to the shelter, see if you like that. See, and maybe you vibe with the people more and maybe not the mission as much, but it could, because it's such a great environment, you can give back in a different way. So I think that's really helpful to people who are searching. They may have it all, but then they don't have that, the purpose and that mm. poignant thing that's driving them. And I love the passion that comes through just in this conversation with you, right, Dario? It's, it's yeah, no, I, I love it. And I, I resonate with what he's saying incredibly strongly about yes the mission doesn't change but how you go about fulfilling the mission changes like i was passionate about service public service in particular yeah i got elected at 22 i ran for the county commission at 24 and got elected it became chairman at 25 democratic nominee for congress at 27 boom serving federal prison time at 32. i got home i had certain things i had to do i had to pay off my restitution i had to catch up on child support i had to pay off my government fine and I worked my ass off selling printing, riding my bike in the summers of Las Vegas, door to door, and being told no more than yes, and swallowing my pride and working my butt off to catch up on all those things. And then when I did that, my question was still, okay, what next? How do I serve? And mm -hmm. I created an agency. I got lucky, to be honest with you. I was in the right space at the right time, and it intersected with my natural talent, and boom, the agency took off. And then when my next evolution came, I found myself missing service. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to Christy, because the way she and I connected was through a mutual friend. And when she was interviewing me to be the branding and marketing person for Mickey's Miracles, uh, by the way, it's mickeysmiracles.org, global pediatric epilepsy. Yes. Uh, parents get their children to level four epilepsy centers urgently for treatment, uh, diagnosis and treatment because it is an emergency and every day counts, right? Shameless plug, Good job. important plug, meaningful yeah. plug. But when I talked to her, I said, no, this is not just a job for me. This isn't just another contract for me. This is a pivot for me because it allows me to tap into that passion I have in my heart to help others. And I happen to have a son with a neurological disorder, autism, that I ignored for a long time. And I thought his mom was crazy for 
thinking that he was autistic, even though he turned out to be autistic. So I connected with her journey in a way that I wouldn't have connected with a client selling t-shirts or selling widgets or fill in the blank, but it was from a level of service. And my attitude was, I am worthy to serve. I am capable of serving and I want to serve. Mm-hmm. And that came through, you know, and Chrissy felt that and she gave me the opportunity. She trusted me obviously with the opportunity. Now I'm the executive director of the organization and we work closely hand in hand every day, saving children's lives. But it came from the initial mission, which is, you know, help other people live better lives. And my path changed because I self-sabotaged the first episode of it. Uh, And this is the best episode because now I get to choose who I help very intentionally. Mm -hmm. And I pivoted my organization from being an agency for everyone to those who really care about doing social good and impacting as many people as possible in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. And that's my mission, you know? So I, it resonates with me big time because that's been a big arc. I'm 47 now. I'll be 48 next month. I started in public life really at 19, working for the governor of Nevada at the time on his campaign. So it's taken me that entire span to land where I am today. And that's working in social good every single day so that I can get out of bed without having to hit the snooze button and overcoming still the negative thoughts, the invasive thoughts that challenge me daily to do what I do because I know it's tied to something bigger than me, mm-hmm. you know, and that's part of my daily resiliency. You know, when I settle into mediocrity or, you know, Chrissy says, I need this to do this for, and I'm like, ah, I'm like, okay, dive in, <laughs> leave in, get it done. And I'm so happy when I get to send her something that puts my blood, sweat and tears into it. And we're able to help people's lives because of it. Yeah. It, it even though I resisted it at first, I get it done and, and we get great results and, and that's part of like my arc of you know personal resiliency. So I resonate, I resonate with that big time, and I appreciate you bringing that up because I, I think that's important for people to know at home that there is something, there is a mission necessary. How you go about that mission can change. How you find your purpose, you know, and how you live your purpose can look differently, you know, depending on where you are in life. But underlying that is you know that that knowledge that you've been infused either by the universe or God or something beyond you with everything you need to do what you want to do and to get done, whether it's be the best mom or be the best dad, like we've been blessed with the ability and capability of doing all of that. Now it's up to us to figure out what to do with it. And I love the term coach up, by the way, I've never heard that before. Oh, that's great. Coach up, pull up. I love that. How'd you come yeah. up with that? I want to know, uh, as a branding guy, I want to know a little bit about how you came up with Coach Up and Sell Up. Yeah, yeah. Um, a similar path to to both of you. I, I heard, um, I resonate with both of your stories uh, a lot because, Christy, you said something that made me think of an analogy that I talk about all the time. And then, Dari, you kind of, like, solidified that in your journey the same. Like, you try different things. Go try different things, Right shiny object syndrome is where it's like one day your mission is I want to help people. The next day your mission is I want to go to Cambodia. And the next day your mission is like it, like yeah, having a central like mission on what it is and having an idea and then getting more data points. Like if we just take it back to that step-by-step, like if, if someone right now, if you're running or if you're walking or wherever you're at, hopefully you're at home. If you're sitting down, like I want you to close your eyes and imagine that you have a lantern in your hand. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. But if you're not driving, 
imagine that you have a lantern in your hand and it is pitch black dark. Inside that lantern is a candle that is only going to last so long. And you see right in front of you, there's this massive forest. It's dark. There's noises, scary fear, all of the above. But you can see way off in the distance that there's a brighter light. And the only way for you to get to that brighter light is to go through the forest. Now, before you step forward, you might be thinking about there's tigers, there's bobcats, there's all these different things that could possibly harm me and whatever's in that forest. And we all have the choice. That bright light represents our mission. That bright light represents what we're running after. And the only way for us to see any path forward is to take the first step. And once you take that first step, guess what? A little bit more of that forest starts to light up. And you start to notice that you can go left or straight or right. And every step that you take, every path that you walk on your way to that brighter light gives you more information gives you more data on the path that you're supposed to be on. Now, if you could open up your eyes for a second, this whole journey of life, I don't have it all figured out. So when I'm talking here, I struggle with my own things. I struggle sometimes hitting the snooze button. Today, I looked at my running shoes for 20 minutes before I put them on. Um, <laughs> sometimes I don't say yes, sometimes I don't say I do. So when I'm, when I'm saying this out loud and I'm doing a quote unquote coaching or talking or whatever it is, like. I just want everyone to know that you have to take the next step in order to see what the next step is going to be. And I, I heard that in Christie's story and I heard that in yours, Dario, like every step that we take lights up more. And then we say, mm, I really enjoy this more. I really don't like this. And sometimes knowing what you don't like is just as just as important, if not more important. That's the purpose of dating, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> get rid of what I didn't want, <laughs> you know? For yeah. sure, for sure. And you don't know that unless you've taken, unless you've tried things out. And for me, it was like, I tried real estate and I tried a startup and I tried, uh, then I did software sales and I recognized that I really enjoy sales. I'm pretty good at it. Let me go do this for something that really matters to me, which is self-development. Um, so Dario, back to your question. When I was going through that, that path of life, I just, I remember my dad telling me before every single one of my football games, keep your head up, keep your head up, keep your head up. And so anytime that I would get down, I knew to get back up. Mm. Anytime my head went down, I knew to get back up. Everyone's trying to move up in the world. Everyone's trying to either go up to heaven. Everyone's trying to move forward in some type of way. No one wants to go down or backwards. It's just not part of our life. And as I started to figure out more of life, I decided on this up brand like five years ago. I didn't know how I was going to manifest, but here we are. Um, I do speech training. So I call that speak up. I do mm -hmm. sales training. I call that sell up and I call live up my personal development side of things. Awesome. And um, just it just came from nowhere. I don't know any much about branding. That's not my jam. I, kn I know how to impact human beings lives in, in those three ways. So um, awesome. that's how I came up with it.
I love that. That's what attracted me to you initially. Uh, I give a speech called Stand Up, and it's about overcoming nice. And Stand Up's an acronym for, I won't share all of it, but you know, the first is stop telling yourself stories that no longer serve you. Trust mm -hmm. is you do the next right thing, you know, you'll be okay. A is accept responsibility and so forth. Uh, but the up attracted me immediately because it resonated with, you know, coming from a place of like, we get to live up and we get to overcome and rise up no matter how many times we've fallen down. And, and that's the speech I give is I've fallen down many times and a lot of times it didn't my own fault. Like no one's pushed me down. I've kind of held myself down, uh, but I've gotten up every time. And, and that led us naturally. And we started this because Chrissy's path to resiliency and my path to resiliency are being completely different. Like we've grown up in completely different backgrounds, different cities, different parental situations, different you know relational situations. And still we found this common thread on our path to resiliency and overcoming adversity that, that was very similar, even though our experiences had been so different. Um, if someone wanted to find you, Brian, where, where do they find? First of all, what kind of people do you work with, right? Like, like I, I want to be specific so that we know our audience knows, like, oh, that's the guy I need to talk to. Uh, and where do they find you if, if you know what you're saying resonates with them? Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for asking. And can I can I take one step back because I'm resonating with more that you talked about? If you don't if you don't mind, no, no, please. Uh, one one thing on this on this topic of resilience you took ownership for falling down yep accountability you took ownership for the the paths that you found you said no one pushed me down i felt I, I went down and on my own doing and i think one of the one of the major ways to get out of suffering and start healing or moving forward or moving up whatever you want to look at it as um is recognizing that you and we all are 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 the CEOs of our own life. We're the owners of our own business. And at the end of the day, if you wouldn't hire yourself, why should anyone else? And um, I think one of the best things that can start people on that path is recognizing that every single thing that's happened in our life, why we're not responsible for what other people do, we are responsible for the way that we responded. And we take ownership for the mistakes that we made, those types of things. So I think that was a huge lesson. If, if I'm sorry if I added more no, no, there, no. Um, I just I resonated with that one too. On you made it better, so that's good. You know, yeah, you, you 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 inspired it all, brother. <laughs> um, so back to the human beings that I get to impact now. I'm lucky enough to to be impacting human beings, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. So my my role on planet Earth is to transform the lives of business owners and sales professionals through the arts of sale, selling and influence. How to, influ how to influence better so they can have more for their friends, their family, and their loved ones. So if you're a sole proprietor, I have courses that are for you. Or if you have a sales team and you want them to perform at an optimal level, that's where you bring me in. And you can find me anywhere on social media. It's just my first name, last name, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, last name, Mayoral, M-A-Y-O-R-A-L. It's up on the screen here if you're watching uh, the video. And if you DM me the word purpose, then I will uh, send you some information. I'll send you a free product on how to sell better. Or you can just go to the link in my bios and uh, there'll be an opportunity for you to grab some free stuff there as well. Awesome. I have one last question, Dario, if I can. Yeah, of course. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I imagine just your experience with Tony Robbins and as Daria said earlier, I mean, kudos to that because you're right. You're operating with, you know, very, very highly emotionally intelligent people who are motivated and empowered and for you to stand out and on stage amongst that, it clearly shows the passion that you and the commitment that you, you know, demonstrated there. But I wanted to say with all the individuals that you've either worked with or heard, I know that you're hearing a lot of stories and um, at the retreats and at these workshops, what is the most resilient story you ever heard? Mm. It's hard to compare them because everyone's most resilient story is their own. Mm-hmm. So um, it's hard to compare, but um, one of my really good friends is a guy named Nick Santanastasso. Don't know if you know who he is. You might want to have him on the podcast. He's phenomenal. He was born with what's called hand heart syndrome. So he's born with no legs uh, and, and basically his, his left arm is, is, is a nub and the, the other arm is, is fully grown, but he's only got one finger. And so his whole life, it's not like he overcame something and now everything's okay. It's like he's he's got to go through his whole life like this. And as I became really good friends with him, I, I helped coach him on some of his speeches and some of his selling products. And as I got to know him, it's like when you talk to him, you forget all that he's got going on, right? Because he's got a normal face and normal torso and you talk to him and you, and you almost like let go of all those other things that he was or is. And his story resonates a lot with me because every day he wakes up. It's not like he overcame something and now it's, you know, he learned a lesson he can grow. It's every day of his life for the rest of his life. And um, his story is phenomenal. He's been on Tony's stage. Awesome. And he's traveled to China and spoken on, on stages all over the world, but he's, he's definitely one. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And what you, what you said about how you don't see that anymore. I say that when I see people and they are bigger than their life, like their energy, their spirit, their soul, and yeah. what comes out is bigger than any circumstance, any color skin, any social economic background. And I honestly, in my life, I have found that those individuals, it makes me a little emotional, are the ones that have taught me the most and they're the ones that have gone through the most tragic stories, are the ones that touch you, you don't forget them. You know, you just, and there's something about them, you're like, I want that, you know, you, you see it, you, it's almost an aura about them. I think that's awesome. Thank you for saying Tell me his name again. Nick Santanastasso. Okay. We're going to have him on. You're going to yeah. have him on. <laughs> he's, he's he's You've been phenomenal. Thank you so much for being on, for your passion, and for just, you know, being a, such a great human who's willing to, you know, kind of discover what, and then take that leap, um, and, and then share all the insights and that with the world. I mean, I think that's what we're here for. So really appreciate you. Good job, Dario. Listen, I told you at the beginning that we were charged up, and I think <laughs> on that promise. Uh, Brian, thank you. Uh, you're inspiring. You live through example and you work with people to have them live up, sell up and, and be the best version of themselves. And, and I'm grateful for you and your role in preparing people to be better contributors and to access more of their God-given gifts 
so that they can make a bigger difference in not just their companies, but in their personal lives, better dads, better moms, better brothers, better sisters. And, and that just exudes from you. So I want to thank you again. It's at Brian Mayoral, M-A-Y-O-R-A-L. If you're ready to be coached up, to live up, to sell up, he's your guy. Having said that, I'm Dario Herrera for Christy Grease. Purpose on Purpose, Overcoming Adversity and Caring Resiliency. Thank you. If you have any questions, comments, or want to follow up with Brian, leave a comment uh, below, and we'll make sure uh, it gets taken care of. Uh, we're blessed to do what we do. We're blessed to be able to share this with you. And our hope each and every time we do this is that we help our audience understand that they've been given, they've been blessed with everything they need to live an extraordinary life, to live their purpose, no matter what adversity they've uh, felt and or experienced. And the path through that is resiliency. Until next time, Purpose on Purpose, Dario, Christy, and Brian, thank you. Sending you love and blessings. See ya.